0: Welcome, everybody, to the Too High Podcast. I am Seth Galina. I am alongside Deontay Lee. Deontay, what's going on? What's going on in San Diego, California?
1: Not much, man. It is 67 degrees, according to my laptop right now. So, you know, got the crew neck on. He's trying to get through this little cold
0: spell. Cold spell. All right. I'm not even going to talk about it. It's, <laughs> it was snowing yesterday. So let's let's just get off the topic of weather for the last time. This is the last time we're ever going to talk about weather uh, on the Too High podcast. What we are going to talk about is something that we talked about earlier this week, and that is the Gus Bradley game plan against the Kansas City Chiefs where, you know, Gus Bradley did his thing and they gave up a lot of yards and uh, to the Chiefs and we talked about it on a Monday and we just couldn't understand what was going on and so the way I want to kind of talk about it today was in kind of reference to the little I know about the defense that you play at your high school because I think there's some interesting um, thoughts about this uh, like kind of a parallel or in fact not a parallel um, between what Gus Bradley does and what you do uh, Deontay Lee in, in in high school so from what I under- know about your defense you play not just one defense you play multiple defenses because the offenses that you see that most high school football coaches see are v- vastly different week to week so you go from like single wing and then you go from like Ten personnel, two by two spread, and then you go to like twenty-one personnel, and then this and that and that. Right. So right. you can't just be like, "Oh, we have one defense, and we kind of adapt it, and we kind of like do little little things." Like you really have like, you know, three or four, maybe even five. I don't know. Uh, we won't give away your defense too much on the pod, but like you have like major differences between. Uh, each defense, because you know you're going to see different things, like v- drastically different things. So in the NFL, you have a, a lot more overlap between um, offenses. I mean, teams are running the same plays from the same formations, from the same personnel groupings. And obviously they're just using, um, you know, the difference in, in player skill is really what's what's different. Right. But we have the Kansas City Chiefs. And we have a few other teams like them, but really the Kansas City Chiefs are our best example here of a team that is a little different uh, in terms of what they do. Because they are, for all intents and purposes, a 10-personnel team. You don't see a lot of 10-personnel in the NFL. And I say 10-personnel, even though on paper they're an 11-personnel team because Travis Kelsey often is basically a receiver on the field. I mean, so they are spread. A
1: receiver, not a tight
0: end. Yeah, so they're spread, spread, spread. And they're vertical and their RPO and stuff like that. And it's not quite what you what you would normally see from an NFL offense generally. So this is this is again, it goes back to the same thing. Like if like if this is a team that you know you have, if you are Gus Bradley and the Raiders and you have been Gus Bradley and the Chargers before, this is a team you know you're gonna face twice a year. So why don't you – you know, I don't want to – I shouldn't put it like that. Like, why don't you do it, like, in a better way? Why don't you run your defense in a better way? But I kind of – I don't know. Like, why don't you – why isn't there a case to be made that you should have stuff in ready for – you're playing them twice. Not a one-time thing. You're playing them twice. You're in the division. Like, why isn't a thing where you look and say, hey, we are doing – um a uh, this game plan that maybe we we had uh, we've talked about in the off season or even hey we're we're spending this whole week doing something a little different than we normally do or we we we're, we're playing these coverages that maybe we don't play a lot but we do we have played them we're just going to play them a lot more and maybe that kills us a little bit in the run in the run game because our fits are going to be a little different um than we're normally used to and our triggers are going to be a little different and maybe our synapses you know aren't aren't going to be in the right place or firing in the right place but at the same time right. we can we can do stuff that prevents this spe- very specific offense um from gaining yards on us. So I don't know what are your what are your thoughts on that when I, when I say that.
1: I think that you would probably hear from Gus Bradley and the people who approach defense that way say and I think that this is a mistake in philosophy to think but that the play, the play style that you have, quote unquote, covers everything. Now, that's usually the argument you hear from a single high, from a single high guy, right? Is it we have all the answers within this one framework? And technically, you're not wrong. Like, do you have guys covered? I mean, you have a guy who is going to be responsible for covering another guy, right? Like, I, I'm not. I think that, you know, one of the things that I, I've tried to be mindful of, and this isn't just because I exist in the, this little coaching fraternity or whatever, but just in analysis, I try not to make like value statements as much on scheme, because obviously there's, there's a place and a use for everything. But to your point in the conversation that I think that we have is more like, okay, there's contextual information that still exists between like some of these decisions that you make um, in terms of your scheme. So for Gus Bradley, this is what we talked about, right? Like, is he a cover four coach? No. So what is the closest thing he can do to approximate cover four? You use your safety as one of your inside pieces as an underneath defender. Um, And the idea there is that, oh, we're bringing the guy from depth and he can see the routes a little bit better. And this is something that we talked about with Brandon Staley, right? The difference, I think, with him and, like, guys off of that tree or, Um, You know, I just wrote about um, Dennis Allen and the New Orleans Saints, um, and he's another guy who uses a lot of split safety stuff as well. The idea is not necessarily that you're using um, a buzz rotation, meaning the safety is an inside piece and cover three as a replacement for quarters. You use it as an additional piece within within the family of coverages that you have, Um, because no matter where you drop guys in from, if you're playing single high, there is a philosophical issue, and this is what I talked about when I wrote about the Packers in the same piece for my likes and dislikes on the defensive end. The issue with cover three is that you're putting almost all of your defense on one level, right? So like, there's no, there's no way to be able to really play tight to routes on a to a certain degree, um, because you have everybody on the same level, and that leads to defensive players having to play from top down. And I think we've probably used that terminology before. You'll hear other people use it uh, who are familiar with some of the coaching terminology, meaning that you want those quote-unquote underneath defenders to actually be on top of as many routes as they can be because there's no real help behind them. There's one player in the post and two players that are deep on the sideline. Um, So the coverage, in a way, is already kind of drained out to, to the point where you're basically playing one-on-one across the field anyways. And I think that, you know, when we talk about playing quarters and stuff like that, it's more about adding a layer. You know, I say all the time, right? There are layers to your defense. That is a layer that's missing in cover three. And I'm not saying that if they ran quarters a whole game, that they, that Kansas city doesn't score. I'm not, you know, like the difference in the degrees of difference aren't that extreme. However, it probably gives you a much better opportunity to stop them or not give up as many explosive plays and not make the Chiefs look like how they did in 2018 instead of what they've looked like so far in 2021. Yeah. That, to me, is the biggest issue uh, when you start talking about comparing you know, these approaches in defense.
0: I think one of the things that I noticed when I go back and watch the Seahawks tapes on defense from the Legion of Boom era is how they kind of do create levels like three levels to their deep to their zone defensive droppers because of the talent that they had in the secondary which obviously you don't have in a lot of places so i would see a lot of you know if if bobby wagner was playing in the strong hook so he was just a strong strong strong-sided um uh zone dropper you know what you're saying is, hey, let's drop deep and keep everything in front of us because we have to kind of create that 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 intermediate level by ourselves. Right. Because um, so you know we have this no cover zone, and that you wrote about it in your article, and then we're just gonna we're gonna drop everyone deep, and we're gonna play everything in front of us. And then what I saw from the Seahawks is like players like Bobby and some other guys in those positions play really low because you have a guy behind you in Earl Thomas right and, and that could cr- make up a layer yeah so he's the- making up the two layer like the 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 second and third layer uh, instead of you being deep and and, and giving away the first layer so I think that is that that that's something that you know to think about when we talk about one of the issues of playing this style of defense. Um, and okay. they had elite
1: corner play as well, which also adds to the ability of Earl Thomas to be able to play so aggressively over the middle of the field. Like yeah. um, a lot of the quote unquote cover the reasons why it was so good for the Legion of Boom is that a lot of the cover three beaters they were able to take care of. Not necessarily because their rules in cover three are so much different. Overlapping in the
0: seam from the outside corner. Yeah, like
1: that's elite level, like elite, elite level um, understanding of how to use your athleticism within a scheme. Like they don't play cover three differently than other teams will play cover three during that point in time. They just had the dudes. And, you know, and this is something that I talked about earlier this week with the Patriots. Like when you do major in one thing, that's one thing I will give you credit. I will give it credit for if you major in one thing and you're actually really elite in teaching and understanding the progression of how the thing works. Like there are a lot of ways for you to be able to eliminate some of the beater concepts. Yeah. But, you know, you cannot stop everything with one goal. And that's that's kind of part of it as well. And we kind of talked about this when we had Bass on. Right. Like there are some things that you can beat with scheme and then some things within a scheme where you got to be able to win one on one. And I mean, just on a fundamental level, again, Oakland don't got or not Oakland, but the Las Vegas Raiders don't have the one on one players to be able to do, you know, solve some of those problems.
0: Well, but I do think where they do have some one on one players is on the defensive line. It is.
1: Yeah. So. So I think
0: you can you can live in a world where you're putting some more pressure on that defensive line to have to make plays, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, because you you've 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 taken players out of the box, per se. Um, and, you know, it's funny you talk about the Patriots. Well, the Patriots, like, they're a man coverage team. We're going to talk about them in a bit. But, like, they have specific things that they do technically, even when they want to play man coverage against the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. So, like, yeah, you can be this type of player. And, I, and again, I think Gus Bradley had some one thing he did that I, that I thought was okay. Um, but, like, for the most part, you know, they, they played what they do. And... Again, I, I see the Chiefs uh, play against the Patriots, and I, I did it like a Twitter video on this last season after they played them, where, you know, you'll see the Patriots change their leverage in Cover One, yes. where knowing what routes they expect to get from the Chiefs, mm-hmm.
1: they'll move the middle of field safety, you know, yeah, in a certain like direction, a like so that again to your point. There are times I don't care how good you think any one call is. You got to be able to break some rules sometimes yeah. if you only want to do one or two things, and you but, know.
0: But the, and it goes back to the same thing. The Chiefs are such a special case in the NFL, right? Exactly. We're not talking about this. They don't do
1: what everybody else does. No, like, there's
0: there's not a big difference between like you know we get into it because we do some research on on like specific teams each week and. And I could be like, hey, there's a you know there's a difference between if I'm not mistaken, I could be totally wrong about this. I'm just I might be talking out of my ass right now, but like I believe the, the Browns are more of a strong side outside zone team, and I think the Vikings are more of a weak side outside zone team. Again, I could be totally wrong. It's like okay, like oh yeah, there, you can get into some micro differences like that, but at the end of the day, like philosophically, both teams are doing a lot of the same. stuff I mean, you're fitting the same plays. You're yeah, trying to stop right. the
1: same set of plays. I mean, the approach might be different, but you know. Outside of what it looks like on a scout card, like you're, yeah. you're, you're defending the same place.
0: So like, and so like even that it's like, you know, the Saints are similar to the Vikings who are similar to the Browns who are similar right. to this team, to that team, whatever. Right. And it's like the Chiefs are not, you know, the Bills are a good example and teams are, teams are giving the Bills the same issues that they're giving the, that, that the Chiefs are getting this year. We don't, I haven't been talking about them as much because they've been winning yeah. more games, but like, um, yeah, like this, the Chiefs are such a special case of of how you should be kind of living in a world where you're saying, hey, this week is Chiefs week and we got to do something different. I know there's that really dumb narrative or like these dumb like quotes where it was like, you know, in Michigan, Ohio, in the heyday of Michigan, Ohio State, it was like, Every day in the offseason, we do one thing that's gonna beat Michigan, and it's like that's overplayed like hundred percent. Because all yeah, all they're talking about is like yeah, we did we we ran the sleds. You know what I mean? Yep, for like exactly for like five more reps. Like that's not a we real did thing. we
1: did three extra gassers at the <laughs> yeah, end. of practice. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, So like, but like I I do think that there's you know from a schematic scene point, I do think there's there's a case to be made that. Um, the Chiefs are a very specific team and they need a very specific defense against them. 100%.
1: All
0: right. Uh, let's get into um, a new segment uh, that we're doing uh, called, we're going to talk about a team that is playing in four hours from now, and we're going to make it sound <laughs> like uh, we already, like um, the game already happened. Cause we know you're listening to this on Friday morning. The, Patriots just beat the shit out of the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> unbelievable game uh, Falcons can do anything on offense he, he just I, I can believe it uh, I know you can believe it um, and it's perfect because you just wrote about the Patriots defense and how great they are and then they came out on Thursday night and they killed the Falcons uh, what do you see when you watch the Patriots defense um
1: i think so the number one thing with them defensively that is impressive to me and we talk about it i think we talked about it on uh on the tuesday show was what they do with their linebackers and i know that it's something that almost nobody really wants to hear about on a certain level um because you don't first of all you don't really get all the intricacies out of the position um even if you even though you can see them on the broadcast angle all you're really seeing is kind of pieces move together like you may as well be watching dots for a lot of the stuff that happens between the tackles, but their ability to fit the run by leaving guards uncovered, yeah. nobody is doing that in the NFL right now. You know, like I, I put in so, the, uh, oh, go yeah, ahead. Just
0: just to explain just um, what we're talking about is they're running a lot of, I call it the Oki front. You said, you said you're, you're pretty sure that the Patriots themselves call it their base front.
1: Yes, I know uh, that Saban, Belichick yeah. tree, they call 505 base.
0: Yeah, so 505. So nose right on the center. And then the two ends are outside, right? And then that's your that's your defensive line, or that's it, right? Yeah, Bribal that blinds. is your
1: first, that is your first level of defense, yeah. right there. And then you have the two inside linebackers standing over the guard. So you technically have a player for a player, right? Like that's the idea is everybody is stacked over um, one of five offensive linemen. Yeah. So I mean, so. The defensive ends are standing outside of the offensive tackles, and then you have your two inside linebackers stacking the guards. So the, the philosophy there is that there's a player for a player in between the tackles, and you have your two outside linebackers. So it's like very 1980s 3-4 defense. And again, teams don't play this way. Most teams now, if you want to get into the odd front, like you think about the Steelers, you think about the Rams, you think about the Chargers, um, a lot of these 3-4 teams, They're playing more with like fours or four eyes, meaning that instead of being outside the tackle, you're going to be head up to inside. And the idea there is you want to keep linebackers covered, right? You don't want uncovered linemen that can go get up to the second level um, because it shrinks a degree of difficulty in terms of fitting the run. Um, And it just a lot of times it it leads to better run fits because you're just eating up space on the interior. The way the Patriots do it, they ask their linebackers. Basically to be the guys who eat up that interior space. And again, degree of difficulty. It's way, way up here. There's a reason why teams get away from it. Um, If you tell, if you were to tell me in theory that a team that plays defense, like the Patriots was playing a team like, you know, last week in the Browns, I was like, Oh, the Browns are probably going to put them on a railway because they got these guards who are great at down blocking and pulling, and they're going to have all the airspace to run into in the world. And that just wasn't the case. So that's what they do up front. That's really uh, impressive to me. And then on the back end, like like we were describing when we were comparing kind of what the Patriots do, what the Legion of Bloom did, um, to what we see or don't see from a lot of other defensive coaches, it's just like a high level of understanding of where coverages are weak and how to be able to take away um, some of the things that might stress out a coverage. So I'll put like a clip. They were playing the Panthers. Um, and what's the, the big cover three beater is the over route, right? You want to bring that over route across the field from three by one because all the defenders on the weak side are going to be down on the first level because they're playing with like man eyes. Right. And one of the things that they do, they don't just ask that hook player. So whether it's a linebacker or the weak safety to wall it off, so get underneath it and then wheel underneath and run with it um, up the seam, they will use that weak side flat player at times. If he can see it sink back almost to the point where he would be um, if they had called cover four to get underneath it with the middle of field safety running over the top of it as well. That, again, high degree of difficulty, something that they're able to do because they know exactly how to take away the throws that give this defense trouble. Um, you know, the next throw that you would see that will beat cover three is like the deep comeback or the curl routes, the hitches on the outside, and their flat players are able to get out underneath that so again in two different instances i'm talking about the same player within the structure of this defense being able to play two different um, coverage beater concepts or routes within a concept high extremely high degree of difficulty um, and then they also have these change-ups like we saw when they played the browns and i'm sure you guys saw when they played the falcons um, last <laughs> night <laughs> um, they're able to kind of switch up their zones so this is about, like, again, this is where we start talking about defense as a matter of problem solving. There are some things, even if you know all the weak points within your coverage and you try to, you know, kind of reconfigure where the pieces go in order to take some of those things away, again, one thing can't stop everything. And what the Patriots do, because they're so good in man and they're so good in cover three, they don't really mess around with quarters all that much. If they want to play a different, you know, too high, too high coverage – They're doing that because they really want to trap those underneath throws. They're not worried about teams beating them vertically because they feel like they play with enough corners and safeties on the field that they can handle a lot of that stuff. It's more of like those check down throws, those rhythm throws you see against cover three and cover one that they want to take away. And they'll just play like these trap cover two zones. Um, And, you know, that kind of gets into that whole man match family of coverage. Um, so some of the zone match stuff, true zone stuff, they have a lot of different variations of playing cover two. And I think that's why they use that more than um, quarters because they get hyper specific about the techniques that they're using. Um, but those are like, those are basically their three pitches. They got a fa- their fastball and cover one. They've got their change up, you know, and playing just a softer cover three and then their curveball is all, is all the cover two stuff that they can do. And I mean, that's basically enough of a defensive package with the way they play because they're matching up bodies with bodies. So if you like using tight ends, they're going to be a nickel, but it's a unique nickel because they're playing with, more, with an extra safety, not an extra corner, right? Um, they can play with their regular base, and then they have all these different variations within their base personnel on what linebackers they want on the field and how they want to set the front off of that. Um, if you're more of a spread team, they'll play with three corners. That, to me, is like the biggest thing. Is Nobody in the NFL has been better, especially like in the last decade, at understanding not only what play calls are necessary defensively, but exactly what kind of bodies have to be on the field in order to be successful.
0: Going back to that five o five front, it's interesting because a couple things. And you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but we've seen a kind of a resurgence of that five o five front with two defensive ends and a nose in college football. Yes. But I believe this is played out of differently because I think in college football you're getting tighter five techniques whose, whose job it is to kind of, we've talked about this before, play gap and a half. Mm-hmm. So if the tackle tries to kick you out, you kind of wrap, you're trying to you squeeze inside of him. And if, and if he's down block, you trying to, you know, you're trying to squeeze it. Um, you know, you're trying to run down the line and stuff. So. And then another
1: piece of that, right. That we see that you don't see in the NFL is that college teams are, are trying to bring like some sneaky extra run fitter behind that front. So they're not just playing with you know a straight five man box. There's a sixth yeah. guy coming. It just might be a third high safety if you're talking about you know um, a San Diego State type like of defense. The,
0: the Phil Snow's defenses in Baylor, right?
1: Phil Snow's defenses at Baylor was the same way. Uh, Cincinnati kind of has a little bit of this element as well yeah. uh, in their defense, and that's one of the one of the reasons why you want to do that is because you're asking those linebackers with those uncovered guards to go be monsters play after play and eventually you're probably going to blow the run fit there are a lot of run calls you can get that can stretch out that defense and make it difficult to where you're going to need an extra player to layer in behind them Uh, but yeah that that basically is why we see that a lot in the college level um because it's hard i mean it's it's not an easy thing to block it's just harder to fit than it is to block a lot of the
0: times uh and then one of the reasons we don't we've gone away from it over the past 10 years is linebackers bodies have changed Mm -hmm. so like you don't have the guy there who just wants to sit there and and you know in, in that three four and play head you know uh directly in front of the guard at four yards and just say i'm gonna take you on i'm gonna bench press you right those linebackers don't really exist that much um so that's why it's I think it's been super fun to watch the Patriots' defense because of those two uh, linebackers. Uh, I, I, we're talking about Jawan Bentley J-Juan and Dr. Hightower. Yeah. Yep. So, like, th- they go up there and they get physical. And then it's the same thing that's happening we talked about it on offense. They get physical on offense too. It's been really fun to watch a team just – just I make noises when I watch the – the. the I, I get excited. I, yes. I When I see a collision, I get excited. I, I, I have a noise that I make. We won't, it you know, won't do it on the podcast, but it's <laughs> – it's like a noise. It's something. It happens.
1: Uh, all right. I do not even know how to respond to that. No, it do um, the, la- the last thing I will say, like there is again, there's a deeper conversation to have that we probably don't have the time for right now about roster construction and the reasons specifically why the Patriots are able to do this that ties into Bill's like elite level understanding of what bodies he needs, mm-hmm. um, for the kinds of offenses that he's facing. And that again gets into the conversation we were just having about Bradley, right? Like what do you need to take away the offenses that you're seeing? Because if they were playing Kansas City, you're not going to see them in a 505 with two true inside backers, of Matthew not. Judon and Kyle Van Noy all on the field at the same time. Yeah. You'd be insane to do that. You would see them play with play dime where they're gonna yeah. have one of their backers be a, a safety. They're gonna have a nickel corner. Um Dacia Hightower might not be on the field unless he's an edge rusher, right? Like Juwan Bentley's probably not on the field at all I'm um, in that kind of game. That's, again, to that point about understanding exactly what it is that you're seeing and making sure that you're able to attack it
0: accordingly. All right. That was our pre- and post-game Thursday Night Game analysis, and that is presented by Manscaped. Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new Ultra premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and uh, balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use uh, promo code PFF for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, This week, we are giving away multiple performance package 4.0s. Rate and review the podcast. Leave your email and we will choose winners at the end of the week. Uh, Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 that is the signature electric trimmer that has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your skin. Uh, It's also uh, waterproof, so you use it in the shower, and there's a light that you can use in the dark. They also launched their new 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, and strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. So get yourself and anyone who wants it, uh, male or female, or doesn't matter. They're good for everybody. Uh, The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, that's the gift uh, that everyone needs. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code PFF at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use promo code PFF. All right. Let's get on to uh, another weekly segment that everyone loves and enjoys, which is Seth Galina talks about the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> Except this week, you get to talk about the New Orleans Saints. Yes. Uh, so you you watch their defense. I mean, they've been ridiculously stout against the run this season, and they're doing it from kind of two different, not, two, not just two different things, but I, I think they've, they've been able to um, live in a world where they're okay being out gapped in the run and they still get the job done. And I yes. think that's been super nice because they, they've been, th- this is a, a world that they have lived in before and they've never been this good out of it, which is really nice to know.
1: Yeah, I think that there, there have been a couple times, you know, where I've just checked because, you know, I've, I've spoken to you about it and we've talked about it briefly on the podcast um, that they are one of my favorite defenses to watch when I do get an opportunity to watch them. And when I don't watch, I'll kind of just check in really quick to see how they fit the run. And there have been multiple weeks this year where they grade out and perform better fitting the run from split safeties than they do from single high, which is really interesting to me um, for a team that plays with, three, with four down linemen, excuse me. And this week was finally the week where I was like, okay, I know that obviously Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry, but this has happened enough times to where I just wanted to look and see what they were doing if there was something that was like, maybe not revolutionary, but that you wouldn't maybe typically see from a, uh, from a defense. And really all it is, it, it just comes down to be, again, using your linebackers to fix your run fit. Um, so, you know, they're within that too high world and they're a team that wants to play like straight cover four. They're not yep. necessarily, you know, a Brandon Staley or Vic Fangio type, where you're going to play halves on one side and quarters on the other. Um, they trust their, because their safeties have played at a very high level um, over the last, you know, four to five years. They're comfortable just playing straight up for cross quarters. Um, and what that does for you in terms of run fits is, and this is something we talk about in middle of the field, close coverage, you know, your single high stuff, is how to deal with that bubble that exists up front. So by a bubble, we're talking about that B gap area. It's usually, it's almost always a guard. When we talk about bubbles, we're really talking about uncovered guards. And the reason why that bubble is so important is that's the one offensive lineman who can do both between creating a double team at the first level and climbing up to a linebacker to get an angle for a cutback, right? So there's danger within the defense if you don't close that bubble. Um, But you can't really close that bubble if you're in a too high defense, right? Or if you did that, you would be leaving a receiver basically uncovered for 10 yards of space. And if you rolled the safety down to cover that, you want to know what you just got back into single high defense. So like, again, that's, that's kind of like, I guess, guess you got
0: to play tight four in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the, that's the push
1: and pull um, of how you want to structure your defense and why the linebackers have to fix the run fit for you. Um, so I put in a clip when they were dealing with 21 personnel, you play kind of like, you know, I, I've heard, I've learned it as red hammer. Um, if you're familiar with like college football, you'd be more familiar with it from like the Michigan state Pat Narduzzi. Mark D'Antonio era where they were playing like press quarters. So it's like base damn near cover zero across the field with your three linebackers um, playing in or near the box to be able to play things, you know, pretty evenly. Nebraska did it with Bo Pelini and that kind of gives gets into like those lever spill lever fits. I know that we talked about it when we had um, we had Griff and uh, Matty Brown um, on the on the podcast and say that
0: name to me again. <laughs> don't, and, don't ever say that. I don't, it doesn't exist to me anymore
1: <laughs> um we talked about it then you know the idea of using your linebackers to keep the ball in the box your outside linebackers to keep the ball in the box and your middle linebacker to run through um and they do a really good job at it and they have like maybe the best linebacker in the nfl for it into mario davis like he is he's been for multiple 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 years One of, if not the most underrated, not just linebacker, but defensive player in the NFL because of what he's able to do within this scheme. And that's, you know, as you get more spread, a player like Davis becomes more important because now you're going to be using these linebackers to come in to the box from spread alignment to try to close the bubbles. So now you're really forcing a player like Davis after that guy folds into the box to have to make a bunch of one on one tackles, which is why he's so productive. And why he's so valuable to New Orleans. Um, and then from there, you know, we've talked so much about how the coverage works on the back end. But it's the run fits that make all that possible. Yep. And it's all about using those linebackers, the, the guy who is away from the passing strength. So not the nickel, but that weak side linebacker who's maybe splitting the difference between the wide receiver and the in man on the line of scrimmage. He's got to be able to get back into the box to, like, re-equate what I call reequate the numbers. So get that extra run fitter like we were talking about. Um, so that way you're not just giving up five, six yards per carry and always having, you know, a double team climb up to your Mike Backer with nobody there to replace it.
0: Yeah. And this, so they are mostly a four down team. They will get into bear once in a while. And they've been really good at getting tackles for loss when they've been in bear. And they've been really good just in general. At, like they just know when to time these like. Yes. the the These these quote-unquote run blitzes or whatever, and they're getting into the backfield and getting into Tf- TFL. As you saw, Quan Alexander get one against Tennessee last week. And the other thing about stopping the run with the light box is, look, at the end of the day, you do need good players. You yes. talked about Demario Davis, great, really good player. I think Pete Warner has been a really good player for them too. Uh, very quietly he, has been yeah, a great player. For them. He's really He's been really good. <laughs> and, I can't and Kwon, believe an-
1: – there's an Ohio, an Ohio State linebacker that <laughs> is getting a bunch of value in the NFL.
0: After what happened last year to Ohio State's linebackers, I had. Well, no I guess. Was- I
1: guess I shouldn't be surprised because they're using the guy the way that he's supposed to be used. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: I, he's he's good. He's just he's 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 got speed. He he's got some instinctual ability and and he's tough as nails and and I really like the kid and uh, and allows them to use Quan Alexander in better ways than just like yes. playing him as as the will and and, and you know the, the issues that they have here they play like I think Cedric Ellis a lot too. But what I was gonna say is the other thing is like they're two defensive ends. Yeah. Now look. It, Cameron Jordan is a, is a unicorn because he's a big body, so you're gonna get run stopping ability, and then for ten years you've gotten great pass rush. Great out pass of him. rush, right? So like, hey, that it is what it is. But these are the type of players they're looking for, and they got another one in Marcus Davenport, who they yes they moved up in the draft. Yeah, it probably wasn't a good process, but it, he's been he's been good this year. And and that helps when you get these big bodies that end. And then Anya Matt has worked out for them on the inside. I'm like, Shai Tuttle has worked out for them on the inside. Great. So like, I uh, mean, it's I, the
1: same I, thing. Like when you talk about peak Minnesota, like when the Vikings were really, really good with this stuff, they had Everson Griffin, yeah. who was this freak athlete who's like 6'6", 270 pounds, and can also like actually edge rush. Um, those kinds of players are hard to find. You know, that's like very old school 4'3 defense. Um, type of defensive end, and you typically don't get pass rush after these, um, out of these types of guys,
0: exactly. And they've kind of been lucky that, um, you know, lucky obviously they did their scouting reports on them, but who know who knew Cam Jordan, even though they put him and picked him in the, in the first round a long time ago, was going to give them 10 years. I mean, of even, play even Davenport, like, like, I didn't like the Davenport pick, no, of course not that. in the first
1: round, like, I didn't think that he was a first round level defensive end
0: no I, I, and then they traded... Uh, whatever <laughs> I want to get into that but but the you know uh, Jeff Ireland who's came in in like 2017 to you know be the sidekick to to G- general manager Mickey Loomis since that time they just don't miss they right. just don't miss and like uh, that's why the team is is good even in in you know 2020 and, t- and 2021 with with lower tier quarterback play lower tier quarterback play until uh, the last two weeks <laughs> here we go for, here we from go trevor has been the best quarterback <laughs> in the league all right i, will, one, I mean i will yeah. say
1: the last thing i will say and to your point about drafting like that's that is how you're able to sustain your team in spite of being in like cap space hell because they've done such a good job of yeah. identifying these young defensive players and then dennis allen obviously has one of my favorite schemes um in the nfl right now and everything's just been working for them and a lot of that and again like we talk about it, it being a passing league and nobody is here to dispute whether or not it's a passing league, but in terms of defense, none of being able to stop any of this stuff matters if you can't handle what's going on up front. Um, and that's why, you know, the saints have been able to be so good in coverage because they can do what we were just describing with their run fits.
0: Saints talk is presented by Western and Southern, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western and Southern is teaming up with PFS very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help you, that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and fantasy and financial (laughs) scoreboards. (laughs) Why I hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al Michaels on Sunday night football. How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both and every uh, football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for I can't speak. Cater party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collins with podcasts and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask Chris. One more time. That is westernsouthern.com slash ask Chris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. West remember with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on Game day. Okay. Uh you you think um you have issues with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have lost two straight games? Do I have issues
1: with the Bucs? Um <laughs> No, I mean to me they're the they're the most boring good team. Yeah. I, and I and this is something I talked about with the Rams, right? It's nobody's above having an absolute to just laying an egg yeah. against a team that they're more talented than. Um like to me I think the more interesting conversation is more like what's going on in Washington and how they were able to be able to get by on a week in spite of not having a very good defense so far this year. And Then obviously losing Chase Young for the remainder of the season um, is obviously going to make things a lot more difficult than it's already been for them. Um, But, you know, I talked about it earlier in the year, right? The fact that I think injuries have had a big piece to do with this, but they're just a different offense this year than they were last year. Um, And I think that, Games like last Sunday is exactly when you probably look around if you're Bruce Arians and say, "Man, all those duo runs that we had out of twelve and thirteen personnel would have been really, really nice to have to yeah. regain control of the game." I um, mean, they just have not had that to the same degree um, in this season.
0: The, yeah. So, watch. So, two things as we're talking about this, the story about Antonio Brown uh, came out where he paid for a fake vaccination card. Uh, so they might not have Antonio Brown for for quite a while, uh, and he's obviously been a good player for them. So,
1: okay, th- this is obviously not the podcast for this conversation. I just want to remind everybody that all that information is verifiable, people. It's all verifiable.
0: I don't think I, I don't know what it's like in the states. I know that mine is on my phone. Like that's the only way you can do it is on your phone. I don't think it. I don't think you can get a Quebec vaccination card in like a tangible one I think it's all on your phone and it comes with a QR code and like I I, I don't know how you would I don't I'm sure you can you can you can you can fake it in, in a way but like uh, a lot harder to do when it's when it's like that so I, I don't know that's just wild to me um, okay the bucks thing my issue with the bucks is I don't think it's an issue that really is a thing going forward. I think that Washington was able to play the type of defense they wanted to play, which was hey we're gonna spot drop on, on every play. That's what they and we're gonna rush the passer and spot drop in every play. And they added some stuff. They ran some quote unquote three high safety looks, um, kind of, you know the drop eight, three high safety. They were more disguised into it rather than like, hey, look at our structural three-high stuff. It's like, no, we kind of disguise it, kind of like the Bucks have done with Todd Bowles. In fact, but um, and that and that forced a lot of checkdowns. Now Brady did hit a nice hole shot, and they and I'm sure Brady would look back and say, hey, I missed some guys that were that ended up being open because I had more time than I thought I did because it was only a three-man rush. However, the whole game was them forcing checkdowns forcing checkdowns and you can play a game like that I think what always happens is we're always like oh how do you stop Tom Brady how do you stop Peyton Manning how do you stop uh, Rogers how do you stop these guys and it's like well just you gotta force checkdown like uh, spot drop play everyone eyes on the quarterback force rally to the football and it's like that doesn't really there are guys open and I think Brady right. will find this again in if this happens again to them uh, in a later date Um and the other thing is check downs don't do anything. You know, we talk, you know, That's again. the bigger thing, right? Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. What does a check down really do? Yeah.
0: Like you catch the ball at 4 yards and you get tackled at 5? That doesn't happen, but that doesn't happen that often. Right. Like 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 the NFL is like you're getting these running backs out of the backfield that are your check downs who who are better players than Leonard Fournette usually. Yeah. And, and they're being able to move the chain still, even though they're cashing checkdowns. So it's like, yeah, you want to be like, hey, you know, we should just play, uh, you know, top down and blah, blah, blah. And we saw it in, in, in Las Vegas last uh, on Sunday night where it's like, yeah, you want to check. The- Mahomes checking the ball down. Guy turns upfield and he's gone for a first down. It's like, well, I can't do that every day. So mm-hmm. I think it was like a one time deal. Now I do know, obviously, they didn't play great against the Saints uh, two weeks ago. Um, Saints more of a man coverage type of look, obviously um, uh, against uh, against the Bucks and the the Washington more of a like I said spot job zone three high safeties spinning people in interesting ways, but it forced Brady to check the ball down and um, they couldn't get anything from those checkdowns, which I think normally you would be able to do. And then the next thing is Brady missed a couple, especially early in the game. I thought he missed a couple of guys that he could have hit some chunk plays out of, and mm-hmm. he didn't. And I don't think that's really something that's replic- replicable, rep, rep, replicable, going forward. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm not really super concerned about the about the uh, about the Bucks offense. And I, okay, I know we didn't talk about this before. Um, more concerned, Bucks or Rams?
1: Um, I will say the interior line of the Rams again is still a point of concern for me. Um, I'm probably, I'm probably more concerned about that than any one thing that's happening um, in Tampa Bay. While also still believing that the Rams have the highest ceiling and are still like the best team in the NFC, um, I just think that the pathway to them being upset in the playoffs is probably a little clearer than what I would say for Tampa Bay right now.
0: All right, and finally, our favorite segment of uh, the show is our Sunday Night Football Preview. Um, going into this week, we have the Steelers and Chargers, and of course, our Sunday Night Football Preview is presented by Pro Football Focus. Right now, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use promo code Pod. No, that's not us. I'm reading the wrong thing. Shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, use promo code Too High T-W-O-H-I-G-H, and you can get 25% off... Um, All PFF subscriptions, grades and data are live for every single player who logged a snap last week. So go check out the highest-graded players from Week 11 and College Football NFL. And I think we even have the American with the AAF still there on the website. Uh, So support (laughs) the pod and use promo code 2HIGH for 25% off any uh, PFF subscription. Okay, uh, this game is rough. I just finished watching the Steelers offense without. Um, so it's Steelers Chargers. I just finished watching the Steelers offense without Ben Roethlisberger. And I thought it was bad with Ben Roethlisberger. And Mason Rudolph is absolutely irredeemably bad. It is. It was one of the. He didn't like make like mistakes like reading or anything. He just like. The ball died five yards after he let it go from his. I've never seen this before in my life. I, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And I, in it's undoing. It it is undoing all the good work that my best friend Matt Canada is doing <laughs> <laughs> running this offense, and it's something that me, you, and um, our friend Derek Classen have talked about. Is like they're he's they're trying so much stuff recently, and their run game, even when it doesn't work, and because like they have issues offensive line and teams like not really respecting the pass for the for the Steelers, but like they do stuff. They, week one, they're running. Okay, we're gonna we're in the gun, so we gotta do some weird stuff. Here's same side power. Like we won't we won't give you a tell. Uh, here's some this, and then since the bye week, uh, here's all this jet sweep and all this motion, and here's jet sweep with a split action back there, and then here's pistol. Like we're running pistols, so like okay, we can be in the we can kind of be in the gun, but we still have the, the running back behind him, so we don't give them any tells. Because when they're in, when they're in gun, they do have a lot of tells. I mean, that's kind of been a problem for them. Mm-hmm. And then everything is just undone by uh, uh, two things: an, an offensive line that's just okay, that sees a lot of you know heavy boxes. And a passing game that can't get teams out of heavy ball, bo- it's bad. It's – oh, God, it's bad. It's so ugly watching this team try and throw the football. They did it without um, Juju and Chase Claypool this past week, and it was really bad. And and um, I don't even know – I don't know. This is a team that, that is that – ha- that has won some games, and they're going to end up being the same Steelers team from last year where there's just – you know they're going to – you know losses are coming, man. Yep. Yep.
1: And it's funny. I mean, like – if you, in terms of picking an opponent, that's obviously like just not abjectly horrible overall. Like this is a great opportunity for the Chargers to just load yeah. the box and stop the run, um, because there's just so little of a threat, um, and and they handle. I think that this defense handles RPOs really well as well. So I would not be surprised if they have a really good run defensive day, um, because of the fact that Mason Rudolph can't really push the ball down the field at all. Um, This is going to be a very, very sideways football game when Pittsburgh has the football. You know, I I, I would expect the one thing I will say about about the offense uh, of the Steelers that I like is just how much of the Matt Canada footprint exists now. Um, So I I am kind of looking forward to seeing that, you know, three, four bare front, two high defense up against an offense that likes to stretch the edge as wide as possible and see what that looks like. Um, but, yeah, like I was saying, I, I expect the Chargers to absolutely just be able
0: to play their base stuff and live in it for the most part. They had started, like, it's since the bye week, the the two games after the bye week with Ben there as quarterback. They were running, like, I, I think kind of like four or five reverses and, and, like, trick plays and stuff like that in, in two games. And that was creating offense for them, too. They didn't really do it a lot um, in this game against the Lions, the Lions. And I think they they were like, hey, we're just going to beat the Lions because they the Lions. Guess what? You suck. Like you, your team is not good. Your your offense, sorry, your offense right. is just not good, uh, and, and it's just like. I I think the thing with Ben, one one of my issues with Ben is, anytime they call anything for him to throw the football, a he we, as we know he tries to get the ball off very quickly, and he won't push anything. He won't send a pocket and push anything downfield. But the thing is, he hasn't been that accurate either this year. So it's like, well, no, what's the point? But with Ben, he's at least taking nine shots on the outside, and you didn't—you saw a couple with with um, with with Mason Rudolph, and like the ball just dies in the air. It's like I don't even think he's trying to throw back shoulder, and the ball ends up back shoulder. He's, just, he's like doesn't have the arm strength. It's crazy. Um, yeah, uh, just just quickly, um, your latest take on, on the Chargers defense, what what Brandon Staley is doing. We saw them again. They play the Vikings this past week, and we saw again. Even though they lose the game, we saw him be like, "Okay, I'm playing against. This is kind of this discussion we had at the beginning of the of the, of the episode. Okay, I'm playing this team. It's the Vikings. I'm going to load the box against the Vikings. I'm not going to play my yep. my thing." My Brandon Staley thing, quote unquote, I'm going to load the box against the Vikings. Um, So anyways, yeah, what are your thoughts on on another uh, on on Brandon Staley again on the Chargers defense?
1: I mean, to me, it's going to all come down to what they do on the edge. So I would expect them to play like one of the things they did against the Browns. that I think they'll do a lot against the Steelers is stay in that odd front, walk your edges out wide and then drop a player like Derwin James um, in his rotation to wherever they think the ball is going and basically just play a five, three box you know, without it necessarily being the bare front. So that, to me, I think is going to be what we'll see because of the way that Pittsburgh likes to structure its run game, especially under center. In um, the gun, I mean, they can do all the same odd front, you know, too high stuff that they want to do because of, how, as you were explaining, how predictable that offense can be when they're trying to run the football out of the shotgun. Um, especially with their like why off stuff like a lot of their tells are very very easy to pick up on um, if you watch them uh, so I would expect to see a lot of that five three box odd front um, Nuosu and Bosa um, out wide and you bring Derwin James out over the tight end where you think the ball is going and I think that's
0: probably what we'll see more often than not uh, the name uh, I'm just reading this story with Antonio Brown and uh, the name of the Intermediary, I guess, that helped Brown get a uh, fake Johnson and Johnson card. His name is steven Ruiz. So, oh boy, <laughs> our buddy's got a little explaining to do. <laughs> I'm not so. touching that
1: one, but we'll we'll talk in the group chat, Mr. Ruiz.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then uh, let, let's flip it to um, the Chargers' offense against the Steelers' defense. You know we've talked about this um, Chargers offense on Monday, so we won't spend too much time talking about it. But their thing is, uh, they just gotta get more throws down the field with with um, with uh, Justin Herbert. And I, I, the one thing I'll say is the and I talk I put some clips up on Twitter uh, about their zone read game, which I was which I think has been a very nice surprise, and it's something that I would like to see more teams kind of do they will they're always like jet motion um to the side where they're zone reading and then that player ends up running a wheel and they have one receiver out there and he just runs straight down the seam and what they're able to do is um split the tight end from the backside usually jared cook so now if you keep it if herbert keeps it he's booting um to the side of the receivers and he has the first level flat player but instead of it being um instead of it being like a three-level f- flood, they're really running verticals. They're running, double, you know, seams and and, and, out, and, and a go-run on the outside. And they're able to hit that ball in the seam quite a bit, and I think that's been really good for them. So, yeah, did, your thoughts on them matching up with the um, Steelers?
1: Um, that this is probably going to be a very low-scoring and boring football game because what you're probably going to see from Pittsburgh is them play a lot of cover two, um, cover two and cover one because of the fact that um, Herbert in this offense, not that Herbert specifically is incapable of it, but really more so that Joe Lombardi has not called for them to push the ball down the field as often. Um, you're going to see a lot of like straight up just four down cover one stuff, I think, and then they'll they'll run some of those interesting cover two rotations that you'll see from them. Um, but I mean, even if it weren't the case, even if that weren't the case with the Chargers offense and some of the issues that they've had, the biggest takeaway with the Steelers defense is just how kind of. I not say predictable, but just kind of like how standard vanilla it can be. Like you know who's going to be in the middle of the field. You know who's going to be down. You know over the tight end. Um Obviously, you know they have they have an, an elite edge rusher in T.J. Watt. So it's not like you have to wonder like, oh, is he going to be dropping out? Is he going to be rushing? Are they bringing somebody else? Um, That's not really what this what this is with this defense. You know where the corners are going to be. Like this is this is 100% old school three four defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Play cover three on first and second down. Play cover one when you know pass is coming. And if it's third and long and you know pass is coming, you play cover two. Like, we've been watching that specific recipe of defense in Pittsburgh for what feels like, I don't know, 25 years now. Um, And we're probably not going to get much different this week either.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's what we're – that's exactly what we're going to get. All right. That's it. We're done. Um, We will see you guys uh, next uh, early next week, and we will pick the winners of the Manscaped uh, giveaway that we're doing. So, uh, see you guys next week.